TV times here. That's right. We're talking about. Uh, fucking talking about. Oh yeah, we're talking about Night Rider, Halloween Night on Kill My Kill TV Terrors. Well, greetings and salutations, internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton. Coming to you once again from Studio City and parts there around. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where usually we talk about horror movie characters in the order in which we in which they die. But on off weeks, uh, we try to find the most horror adjacent episode of a TV show, and we talk about that. This week, we're describing in rich detail a Night Rider episode entitled Halloween Night. Um, and unlike the Incredible Hulk, this was quite a viewing experience. And of course, there's only one person I trust to lead me into Norman Bates's mother-in-law suite, the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I don't even know where to begin to with a joke here. There's so much happening in this episode that this is this is it this is, is jam-packed. Um, I had I don't I can't say that I was a super big fan of Knight Rider. Its initial run, I was just a little too old to get into a talking car. Um, and David Hasselhoff and I have a rocky history, as people may have noticed in the previous Baywatch Nights episode. But oh my god, this episode! If every episode of Knight Rider was this good, I would have been there every. I don't know, Friday night? I don't know when it fucking aired. I think it was Friday night, yeah. I, I didn't really watch it either. I, I did thought the, the yeah. I did think that the theme song was pretty boss. It's it's a real good theme song. It's uh it's made even better as a beat for um oh my god. What was that the song? What was that song? Oh yeah, oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I, I I don't remember the name, but I know what you're talking about. Fire It Up by Buster Rhymes. That's okay. what it's in. It's yes. fucking fantastic in that. Uh, I can't believe it took me that long to remember Busta Rhymes. I've truly lost my mind, apparently. And this this episode didn't do much to recover my memory, I guess. Uh, I, my brain is frazzled. <laughs> we're all a little, we're all a little puddin'y right now. Hopefully I'll regain my brain power as we go. But, um, so yeah, I wasn't a huge Night Rider watcher. Uh, Friday nights, maybe I was watching Miami Vice, but that would be a 10 p.m. show. At best, a 9 p.m. show. Um, that's adult. You know, that that has the complex uh, wordplay and uh, cinematic universe that I demand as whatever age I was uh, when this aired. Um, this is a third season episode entitled Halloween Night. And, of course, night is spelled with a K because Night Rider is nothing if not subtle. <laughs> going into this i just knew that it was semi horror 10 you know related i didn't know whether or not it was i didn't know we were going to have another incredible hulk situation where the thing we watch says it's horror but really it's just another episode of that show and while i'm sure this is quite like many episodes of knight rider there are more than enough horror references including stealing the theme to psycho over and over and over again yeah just played on a synthesizer in in instead of uh with an orchestra it's really where it comes alive gina um orchestration is old i think <laughs> really what you want to hear when it comes to the real you know a new version of psycho is just one man in a casio uh that's 
just where it lives now in the 80s. Um, and during the opening previously on or tonight on Knight Rider, I was like, oh, finally a show that films on the Universal Backlot. This is almost all Universal Backlot, with the exception <laughs> of the apartment building. Yeah, I, I definitely expected a point where they would like run past the like, you know, the, the jaw shark. <laughs> I mean, they're very close to it. And when we get to it, I will talk about it because I can't stop talking about the Universal Backlot. A job I had more than three decades, not more than three decades ago, but three decades ago, I <laughs> worked on the Universal Backlot as a tour guide, but apparently I cannot get past it. It is my high school in many respects. So what I was also thrilled by uh, when this episode began was a fake Laura Branigan singing self-control. Yeah, I, I did the whole like Leo pointing thing. like. <laughs> <laughs> I, at first Where I thought at, at, at first I thought it was the real thing. I was like, damn, we got Laura Brannigan money for this episode. Okay. And then I and then no, and then I realized, no. oh wait, no, this is a, a close facsimile, but not quite there. NBC would only pay for real songs on Miami Vice. If it came to Knight Rider, or in particular where I really remember it happening a lot, was on Hunter, which was the Friday, 9 p.m. show. Or maybe that was Saturday. I don't fucking know. Uh, I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, television was what gave me love. So that's where I spent my time. Um, but they used soundalikes all the time on those shows. Whereas Miami Vice, part of the deal was like, uh, if we're going to class this up, if we're going to be premier television, then you need to give me the budget to actually have real needle drops. Um, the person who is singing Laura Branigan here is doing an underwhelming job. If you are a big Laura Branigan fan, this is not going to steal you away of someone else's interpretation of self-control. <laughs> um, the next thing that made me, uh, you know, point at the television a la Leo in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the name Taffy O'Connell. Do you remember where we uh, encountered Taffy before? I you know, I saw the name and I was like, okay, I know I because, you know, how many times do you encounter people named Taffy? Uh, I was like, okay, yeah. I know I've seen that name somewhere before. Where, where have we seen Taffy O'Connell? Galaxy of Terror is oh, uh, Taffy O'Connell's right. big okay. kill by kill entry. Yes. yes. Where she is um, sexually assaulted at the very least by a giant space worm. Uh, it's very slimy. It's very tentacly. It's really gross. But I am a big fan of Galaxy of Terror because it goes there. And it also has a lot of cool James Cameron special effects that he pays off when he eventually reaches Terminator and aliens. So I think uh, galaxy of terror is kind of cool. Uh, Gina, once we reach the second episode is kind of like, I want this to be over. Not one of, not one of our, uh, our, our, our better flicks. I don't think <laughs> I, mm, I love it. I think it is truly bizarre. I think it is when you're not breaking it up and forcing your podcasting partner of nearly seven years to watch it in two goes. Um, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, even though it is terminally grody. Uh, I think there's a, there, that is a movie where people are making acting choices. There's characters in galaxy of terror. Well, you, know, you have your galaxy terror and I have my the fan. We can't agree on everything. That's right. 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 We can't agree on everything. But although I, I think the fan is fun. Um, 
so we meet, uh, not for the first time, Bonnie. Uh, Bonnie is a ongoing uh, character on Knight Rider. She fixes Kit or something. I don't fucking know. I, I had no idea. She I was might like, as well. At first, I thought she was uh, uh, Michael Knight's girlfriend, and then like, oh wait, no, she's just like going out on dates with other dudes. I guess not. No, well, they have a very open relationship. He keeps calling her like sweetheart and babe and stuff like that, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. all right, I guess they're a couple. I don't fucking know. I don't. I mean, listen, I do hold my hand with my coworker, but I'm also married <laughs> to my coworker. That is one of the few, you know, things that make that okay is the fact that uh, I just happen to work with my wife. But in, if you don't, and you're just holding hands with the person who fixed your supercar, that's weird in my estimation. To just approach a house while holding hands that's a i don't i if this place had an hr i think they might have something to say about it but as far as i know it's just a rich guy who's funding their supercar adventures yeah i'm surprised by how little i actually knew about the logistics of this show like i i i don't know why he was selected to to use this supercar like all i knew was was Guy has a cool car. It's voiced by William Daniels. Like, I didn't know the car could launch yeah. a grappling hook out of it. No, that was new to me. And also the way they use the grappling hook where the top of it just glues itself to the door and then they pull it open. <laughs> That's not really how grappling hooks work. But I'm not a technical advisor on on Knight Rider. Um, supposedly, how this works was that... I'm going to read this directly from Wikipedia, everyone's favorite audio enjoyment. Self-made billionaire William Wilton Knight rescues police detective Lieutenant Michael Arthur Long. Why do we need the middle name? Who's to say? After a near fatal, a near fatal shot to the face. Okay. A shot to the face with what? A gun, a knife, a cannonball? We don't know. Giving him a new identity by plastic surgery and a new name, Michael Knight. So basically he becomes his son. Oh, that's not weird at all. Wilton selects Michael to be the primary field agent in the pilot program of his public justice organization, the Foundation for Law and Government, a.k.a. FLAG. The other half of this pilot program is the Knight Industries 2000 KITT a heavily modified technologically advanced Pontiac Firebird Trans Am with numerous features, including an extremely durable shell and frame controlled by a computer and artificial intelligence that also sounds queer. I'm just going to come out <laughs> right now. This is a very campy robot car. <laughs> yeah, he does kind of like that, that like sort of, fussy middle-aged man voice to yeah. him. I don't know, Michael. Why don't you analyze <laughs> that uh, ape suit? Uh, that's how you're going to show up to a party? Like, he's he's kind of bitchy. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's almost like mean. He's, he's doing a little, little Paul Lynch, the tiny, the, the scosh of Paul Lynch. Just a, just a scosh. Just uh, a, a, a saison on top of it all. Um, which I think only makes it better. But Bonnie is I guess a, a technical person uh, in this when when Kit drives into the back of a truck she is the one who repairs it somehow sure I don't know how it works but 
um, when we see Bonnie here, it turns out that she is sick and she is gulping down NyQuil like it's like it's uh, going out of stock. Um, like she has a cold and shit, I guess. But uh, she hears a bunch of noises. It turns out there's a Halloween party. Um, she sees uh, a person in an ape suit kind of manhandling a woman. And then she's like, none of my business and closes the door. And then if you had told me this would turn into rear fucking window with a gorilla suit, I would have put this in the number one slot. Like once it turns into rear window and the killer is wearing a gorilla <laughs> suit, that has kill by kill all over it. Well, when I, when you described the episode to me and I looked it up, I thought we were going to get kind of a uh, murders in the Rue morgue sitch where it was, you know, mm. ac- actually a gorilla, <laughs> which I was, which I was, mm-hmm. which I was hoping for. It, it is not a real gorilla, although it apparently it's of grave importance to mention that the mm-hmm. the the fur on the suit is made of real gorilla fur, which doesn't really come to anything. Yeah. But no, and it also makes it when they take it to a dry cleaner. It's like, how do you instruct a dry cleaner on how to clean real gorilla fur? Like. Like he just knows how to do that. That seems like I don't want my local dry cleaner just doing whatever he does to my shirts to make them ironed to apply that to a real gorilla hair suit. That seems seems like a bad idea, but I don't know. Again, I'm not giving notes to Knight Rider. Um, <laughs> but in the middle of witnessing this, Bonnie passes out. So. That NyQuil worked very fast because she's like on the phone and she's like, I saw a gorilla suit and then faints on her face. Yeah, I've had some heavy duty cold medication. I don't think I've ever maybe pass out. But not like in the middle of a phone conversation, like you put your head on a pillow and you go nighty night. This is uh, an extreme reaction that makes me think that Bonnie is mixing medications. Yeah, that seems to me that she's probably has maybe should not have swallowed down three quarters of that bottle. But the next morning, um, Hasselhoff shows up and asks how she's doing. She says, well, I, I feel better, but I don't know that I'm emotionally better. And frankly, I don't think anyone's emotionally better when David Hasselhoff shows up to your apartment. <laughs> he's got the, he's got the chesties on display. He's, he's just ready to go. Oh, that shirt is cut to a very low V. Like there are not many detectives who are like, I need a lot of my chest to be visible in order to detect crime. But Michael Knight is one of those people. And so he hears her version of the events and it's like, okay, well, I, and what I, what he does that I genuinely like is that he's like, I believe you. I believe that you saw something, whatever you saw, I want to investigate. I'm not going to immediately discount it and say, you didn't see any of this. Why don't we look around? Why don't I ask questions and we'll try to figure this out. So he goes outside and Kit has been uh, enclosed in a salt circle by an Elvira wannabe who is real chill with this car talking back to her. Do other people hear the car being bitchy to them or just Michael? I, you know, that's a good question because nobody seems to be chuffed that, that this car is talking to them. Yeah, that is odd that the car talks to you in 1984. That's not 
your every day. And yet here, several people hear this car talk back to them and they're like, it's another day in the valley, baby. He, he just, um, he's just like sassing Want to go them. to my witch convention? And they, they, they just go, they're just like, oh, charming. The piece of metal is insulting me. I think this car just called me a whore. He, on no uncertain terms, pretty much calls her a witch and a whore, uh, which is a lot, Kit. Seriously. I mean, I, I know you're not here to make friends, but you also don't have to be an asshole. And then she she kind of like asks Michael Knight, are you a warlock? You know, how you pick somebody up. And he's like, no. And she's like, that's disappointing. Um, will you come to this witches and warlocks meeting with me? And he's like, I'm going to soft pass on that. But thank you very much. You have a lot of cleavage. And she's like, all right, then. Um, this whole building, it's mentioned a couple of times, is, is is a quote unquote singles complex. Right. Yeah, yeah. So basically this 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 like, you know, translate to everybody is ready to fuck at all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Like if you just knock on your neighbor's door looking for sugar, they're going to give <laughs> you some sugar, baby. That's right. Um, everyone is single and ready to fuck and mingle and emphasis on the fuck. And so. <laughs> Uh, once he knows this, he, he goes up to the apartment where, um, where Bonnie saw the uh, killer strike and he, he opens the door. It's seemingly open, which I I think is if you're trying to hide your crimes, this is not the way to go about it. I don't know that there's a lot of great criminal activity happening here, but he, and this I find strange you've been told that someone was killed here. And so he's like, okay, I'll touch this doorknob. I'll touch the wall. I'll touch the counter. There's a lot of leaving of fingerprints for someone with a supercar who calls himself a detective. It just, he's not really hip on the whole keeping his secret identity. I, you know, again, I presume that some of this was explained in the series as it went on, but, but there seems to be a lot of law breaking going on in, in, in these investigations that, that Michael Knight gets into, like when he, you know, you know, harasses a, 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 you know, a mentally disabled man like Mm -hmm. during the episode (laughs) and, and like literally tells him, well, I'm not a cop. So it's like, okay, well then he does not have to tell you anything. No, he, he doesn't have, possess any of authority to do that. Now that he's seen that this apartment is empty and Bonnie swears that it was filled with furniture and someone lived there, he's like, all right, well, what else happened that night? She's like, well, there was a big party. And I definitely think that the guy in the ape costume was a part of that party because I saw him wander in the same direction as everyone else. So he's like, well, where did the party happen? She says, 104. So he goes off. To 104, and this is where we see Taffy, who is resplendent in every outfit she has. I mean, she looks good, 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 great, Gina. And uh, she's, but she's also just like hanging around her house in like in like full makeup and like a pantsuit, uh, or just a robe, a short robe and high heels, like. <laughs> This is she invites a lot of men just straight into the apartment is and good for her. She absolutely should. She should fuck Michael Knight's brains out. As far as I'm concerned, she's done nothing wrong. 
she's innocent as far as I'm concerned. I can't remember her name right now. Denise, Denise innocent. Uh, but on his way out, uh, Michael finds a tuft of hair stuck inside the space between a doorknob and the door. And how the fuck did he force that gorilla hair in there, Gina? How did that fucking happen? I th- that I don't know. I, I I guess it's supposed to imply he got caught on the on the doorknob or something. Maybe mm, maybe sure. Yeah. So he's like, aha, a clue, super detective. And so he goes down to Kit and he goes, Kit, I want you to analyze this tuft of hair. And out of the dash of the car comes a little safety deposit box and he places the hair in there. And he goes, <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. He's like, this is real gorilla hair. He's like, well, where would you get a costume with real gorilla hair? And Kit's like, I found the place. So you're telling me the supercar that can jump through buildings that can jump over cars <laughs> is basically just Bing. It's Bing. Some shit. It's it's Bing. It's got it's got electron microscope built yeah. into it. It's Yelp. It knows reviews. Um, it writes very bitchy reviews about that Thai restaurant you went to. Um, and so he's like, "All right." Um, and then he's walking back to Bonnie's apartment. I don't know why he keeps walking in the middle of this courtyard and everything, but he's walking back to Bonnie's apartment. And I think your greatest fear comes to factor here as a person who lives in New York, something falls off a balcony and nearly murderizes him. Yes. Yeah. It's and not, it's like, not an air conditioner, which is what I'm always afraid of. Right. Sure. That makes sense. This is a flower pot, which is falling off the third floor balcony. I mean, could it kill him? Possibly. I think it would more injure him. Could it damage his brain? I'm not really sure because his hair acts as a helmet in my mind, Gina. Oh, yeah. I think that, that the hair is definitely going to gonna cushion the blow. So he's like, aha, someone tried to murderize me. I will go up to that apartment and break in and confront this person. And I'm sure the writer's room was like, all right, who are we going to name this character? So we make this real subtle. And someone said, Norman Baines. And they're like, <laughs> baby, it's cocaine and cooked cabbage tonight because you're a genius. Uh, that's right. Norman and apparently, Baines. And apparently this actor has played a Norman Bates-like character in numerous things. <laughs> Which which is funny because I don't get a Norman Bates vibe from him. Really? I, I, I get that he is like I get that he's slow. Yeah, yeah. Not like not like not like you not not pathologically shy or awkward. Mm-hmm. A, a little a little developmentally challenged. You know, this is um two years after Psycho 2. Um, but uh it feels odd. Like it makes me think they don't understand, like they know Norman Bates is a cultural reference, but they don't really know who that character is necessarily. So why do they make a psycho reference? Because all they determined was, all they determined was, you know, it's a creepy guy. He's a creepy guy. Right. Then he goes, um, I was um, just cleaning up around here and that pot slipped out of my hands and almost murderized you. But it does lead to a question which is if you have an apartment killer is your first choice a secret agent who drives a supercar 
Like you're not going to call Columbo. You're going to get the guy who drives a supercar to solve this problem. This does not seem like a supercar level problem to me, Gina. Well, this is the second time that, that yeah, we have watched a show with David Hasselhoff, who is called into where he plays a character who's called in to, to solve a crime or a mystery mm-hmm. that he does not seem to be qualified to, to, to solve. Yeah. At least Michael Knight was at one point a cop. He's whereas his previous character on our Baywatch nights episode is an off duty lifeguard, which does not as one of your duties proclaim that you need to solve crimes or supernatural incidents. He seems woefully underqualified here here he seems almost overqualified because i don't think this requires a supercar in my opinion well no i mean yeah i mean i guess the idea is you know you have these cars that that you have their own built-in forensics lab that you know you you can essentially gut most of the police force which great night night rider pro pro defunding the police i like it A cab is uh, includes Michael Knight, but not Kit, not Kit, um, because I don't think he would falsify evidence. Uh, that's my belief. Uh, he's too bitchy for that. <laughs> hey, horror fans! Are you trying to convince friends or family to join you in your love of genre movies? Well, welcome to Scare Traducing, a horror movie podcast for horror movie virgins. With each episode we alternate between one classic and one new release to discuss how they might go down with those just taking their first steps into the world of terror. We'll even suggest which movies to go and check out next. So don't worry about trying to convince any scaredy cats. Let us at Scaretraducing do that for you. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And so Michael Knight wanders into the Universal Studios prop warehouse Do I know that this is the prop warehouse? Absolutely. You want to know why? Because there's so much shit in there from CBS's Curse of the Jade Monkey. It's insane how much Jade Monkey stuff is in the background uh, everywhere he walks. It's a lot of Jade Monkey, a show only I remember existed. Nope, I remember it too. No, well, there's two of us. Uh, So he wanders around the prop warehouse. The, The tram used to drive through the prop warehouse. Down on the lower lot, uh, it does not any longer. I think where the prop house was is now, I want to say it's probably Cinemagic or it's soon to be Nintendo World. Uh, Actually, Nintendo World went in where 28 is. Oh, my God. I'm getting too in the weeds with my universal backlot knowledge. No one cares, Hamilton. Okay. So, he finds the ape costume he knows who checked it out last it turns out it is taffy o'connell but he asks her about it and she's like listen man i i rented it but i didn't end up using it because i didn't want to be trapped in an ape costume all night i put i put it in the closet he's like i don't buy this he's like she's like well ask around but nobody saw me in an ape costume you asshole and he's like well i can't beat that then goes to Bonnie and says, well, I do know that it was cleaned before she returned it to the prop warehouse. So I just need to find where that is. Kit says, I know it's so-and-so. And David Hasshoff does a ancient Chinese secret voice, Gina. And I nearly threw my computer across the room. 
is not cool. It is not cool to do this. It is not cool then, and it is not cool now. Do not do ancient Chinese sacred voice. Uh... Uh, and, unless you are Asian American and that is your right to do so. But if you are David fucking Hasselhoff, <laughs> keep that accent out of your goddamn mouth. So he heads off to Sepulveda Boulevard in the valley. And um, this is down by Linden Avenue, which is squarely in the Studio City uh, area, just north of Universal Studios. This is where I used to live. So I know this. And a guy in another ape costume nearly runs him over. And he just dashes out of the way and then goes into hot pursuit by jumping over the top of the car and into the seat and goes, Kit, follow that car. And uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of alley work going on here, even to the point where they pull a pieces where someone is pulling a large pane of glass out into the alleyway. And the guy in the ape costume barely misses it. But uh Michael Knight decides, sure, it's in my way. I'll just go over it. And the car's like, we're not going to make it. And he's like, I don't care. And he hits the button and they fly through the pane of glass. Uh, they, just go, they just go through it anyway. They do jump. <laughs> they don't jump all the way. I don't know. It, uh, you never see the car land, which I think is a real sign because I think that car would literally come apart if it hit the ground. It's very low to the ground. So Michael and Bonnie go to Wilton's posh house where he's about to throw a giant Halloween party. And for some reason, they're both helping him decorate, which is like, <laughs> again, if this place had an HR... I just don't think they would approve of this. Also, he's a self-made billionaire. He can't hire a company to like, you know, cater and, and decorate and throw the party yeah. for him. I mean, some people are decorating for him in white coats. So like that is happening. But Bonnie and Michael are also helping. But then Bonnie puts a uh, a plastic spider on his on his, on Wilton's shoulder and he does a what's on my shoulder? And he goes, who did you be? And, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a good take. I think I just like, maybe I'd take two on that. It's, it's not great. I've seen better reactions to plastic spiders than this. Yeah. There are a lot more characters in this show than I, thought that there were like i did not know about these other people i i thought it was just you know you know uh, michael knight and kit on the road you know driving from town to town you know solving crimes yeah. and helping people with their personal problems and then there is that but usually he drives into the back of a semi-truck here is a very homegrown adventure i don't think many of them are like this this is like a change of pace this is practically a bottle episode because so much of it is taking place on the universal bank lot um and so michael uh accuses uh taffy or denise of um being the killer and she's like that didn't really happen and then he's like i don't know who else can i accuse of being a killer and at one point he says i mean if if they if they hung people based on circumstantial evidence, she'd be twisting in the wind. And I don't know about you, Gina, but I'm very glad they don't hang people for circumstantial evidence. Yeah, that's a that's a good thing, Michael Knight. Yeah. 
but this is all worth it because he and this, this bohunk um, who has been introduced to Bonnie uh, by Taffy O'Connell. Um, it, she's like, Oh, I would like to hop on that deck at some point. And he's like, I would like to allow you to do that, but we must play tennis first. And she's like, I don't play tennis. And um, <laughs> meanwhile, she screams from her bathroom because a ghoulie is in the mirror. I think that's a straight up I, fucking ghoulie. I, I, this, is my favorite, this is my favorite part in the whole, in the whole episode. That there's, there's a, there's a demon. He's just, he's just a guy. He's the cute little guy. He's just, <laughs> a cute little boy um, with very chubby cheeks. He's my son. <laughs> Ghoulie Radcliffe. Um, I think is his name. And uh, how is his college fund doing? He's a, he's a mad ball. So, you know, he's making lots of money. <laughs> he appears and Michael wanders in and sees it happen and goes, ah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I have an idea. And he reaches up to the air conditioning vent or the fan, the bathroom fan, and pulls it off and reaches up and grabs what appears to be a 16 millimeter Kodak camera. He's like, aha, it's a micro cassette hologram projector. Of course uh, it is. <laughs> of course. Whatever you say, Michael Knight. Um, but I, you know, he also has a supercar that does jumps. So whatever. This is fucking science fiction. But, you know, it, it struck me as odd. But he's like, so that the ghoulie is this. And then here's the lady in the bathtub. So someone's trying to drive you crazy. This is gaslight all of a sudden, in addition to, to everything else that it is. And then uh, he's like, all right, what we need to do is go out to this address, which uh, somehow he gains the knowledge of. I, I can't remember why. And so he goes out there with Bonnie um, and he drives to the Bates house. Now, this is the reverse direction that most trams take to the Bates house. Uh, the Bates house is currently in a, in a slightly different position uh, than it is portrayed here. Um, for whatever reason, the Bates Motel seems to be absent from it. This is two years after Psycho 2, so I don't know why they took down the Bates Motel, uh, but they did. Uh, it's very odd to me. But you can also tell that they're really trying hard to frame this so they don't show other stuff. But later on, they totally show a biplane from the great waldo pepper in the background like <laughs> what biplane is being parked in this neighborhood when they drive up to it there's a thunder strike why no werewolf hell i think that would be more appropriate yeah it really does need a where it, it needs you know werewolf hell it needs like uh it would be a, a stinger of music other than the synthesizer version of the psycho theme and so we kind of get like a tread the traveling thing but not the main psycho thing. So they wander up this dirt road, which has like a, a chain in front of it. Again, this is so no one drives up to the psycho house on this dirt road. I, it doesn't look very residential. It looks like the fucking psycho house. And Michael looks up at it and goes, this looks very familiar. And I'm like, I want to smack you so hard right now. I want to smack you across the face so you can taste how stupid you sound. They get up there, they look in the front window, and they immediately turn their attention to a rarely explored part of the uh, Bates house, and that is the mother-in-law suite. I guess the garage? It's 
I don't remember it having a garage. I'll be honest with you. I, I do not recall a garage. No. Uh, they go in there. They find the body of the girl that uh, Bonnie saw strangled by an ape. And immediately gas starts coming out of the air conditioning vents of this garage. Sure. Why not? And so Michael's like looks into his watch and goes, Kit, come rescue us from this very ridiculous situation. And so Kit drives up to the garage and throws a grappling hook at the chain that's holding the garage doors closed. But it doesn't go through the chains or hold on to the chains. It just appears to stick to the doors. And then when he pulls back, they all explode. That just doesn't seem like how a grappling hook works. I mean, I'm no Batman expert, but that just doesn't seem how grappling hooks work. I mean, it would make more sense if he just like, you know, if Kit just like drove through the door of the building to get them out. Absolutely. It makes no fucking sense whatsoever. But I guess they didn't want to repair the front of Kit that day. So they're like grappling hook. It is. You never see where the grappling hook comes out of Kit. It just kind of launches from like his general you know, front grill area. It lives there. Um, but that isn't the only recycling being done in this episode. Because when they go back to Wilton's, I'm like, why does this, why does this fucking look familiar to me? And it's because Devin Miles's home interior has been seen before. Um, I've seen it in Columbo and I've seen it in McMillan and wife. For whatever reason, Universal seemed to have a large collection of real bougie looking living rooms in their sets. And they just recycled them over and over and over again until like no one lived in this kind of setup anymore. And I'm sure they went through a wood chipper, but I was like, I've seen this before. I'm not sure which episode of Columbo, but it was definitely an episode of Columbo. It just has that look. It does. It just looks, it looks like the kind of place Columbo shows up and goes, this rich person tried to get away with murder. I'm just going to fuck with him for 90 minutes. And by the end of this, this asshole is going to admit to it. And they always do. And that's why I watch it before I go to sleep because it's perfect. I love Columbo. Oh my God, Columbo's the best. Anyways, Bonnie shows up to uh, Wilton's Halloween party with a date. That date is wearing a silver shamrock mask, Gina. <laughs> yes, he sure is. He sure is. With the, with the silver shamrock still attached to it. Um, at, it turns out that the person inside there is Norman, who has been training all year, he says, to drink champagne through the face mask. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, don't know. I I missed a I missed a part. Uh, mm. Perhaps you could fill me in. Sure. When did she agree to go to the party with this person? She initially is supposed to go with the bohunk, but the bohunk calls and says, "I'm sorry, something else came up." And she's like, "I know the person, the perfect person to take with us." To this party, and that is a guy whose house we went to, and we found a dead body. What a great guy to bring to this party. And so I we never see it. We're only told about it after the fact. It is very odd. And it, he's just a massive red herring, but also at, he he attacks her. Um, 
he attacks her. So he also is kind of a killer, just like an unsuccessful one. Oh, I don't I don't think he's trying to attack her. I think he's trying to make a pass at her and, and you don't does not a, know how to does not know how to do it. Right. Because most people don't make a pass with creature arms, with creature of the lagoon arms at people that's not like he's like he's like he's like like, you're so pretty (laughs) (laughs) he becomes the breather all of a sudden gum why does it always have to be gum um (laughs) please listen to our student bodies episode if you haven't already so um uh wilton's like well thank goodness you brought this guy please enjoy yourselves don't get head bugs and snakes on the carpet later and he kind of badly makes a pass at Bonnie to the point where we think he's trying to kill her. Uh, and she locks herself in an office and the guy in the office has a, it comes through a window and he's got a Cylon mask on for Christ's sakes. So again, Glenn A. Larson is just recycling everything he's ever worked on in one episode of television. She's like so relieved to see this guy that it does not occur to her. He just climbed in through the window. It's <laughs> yeah. so, like, oh, thank goodness. Like, oh, like, thank I God drew. it's you. <laughs> oh, thank God it's you. The hunky guy who's drawn an X on his face underneath a Cylon mask. That is weird. Just so everyone is aware of Glenn A. Larson's career. Uh, Glenn A. Larson is a weird Mormon. Um, that's why I know of him. Um, he created Battlestar Galactica, uh, former Kill by Kill Patreon episode, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Uh, the uh, the one television show I've ever appeared upon in a background role, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. Uh, again, another Patreon episode, Quincy M.E. Uh, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries, which I did on another podcast. BJ the Bear, The Fall Guy, Magnum P.I., and of course, night right um and uh remember that before battlestar galactica was cool it was just a weird mormon allegory uh <laughs> that uh my parents were very interested in and thought was better than star wars because it was very mormon so he pulls off the cylon mask and he's got a red x on his face and he goes i am going to kill you i killed that other woman because she got in the way she was Um, she was, uh, she had a videotape of her sex in uh, a a supermarket, uh, magnet. And I can see, I can see see that, that, that you're, you're as clear on what exactly the motive was in this as I was. (laughs) Yeah. He was spending all this money on his mistress that, that money should have gone to me. Also, he should have retired, which you can't kill some enough people that someone goes, you know what? It's time to give up the game and give this to my secret son. That's, that's very, very weird way to go about it. Also, he hangs out and eats cheese with his sister who doesn't know that she, that she's related to him. Uh, there's a lot of problems, but thankfully Michael Knight shows up dressed as Rhett from gone with the wind, complete with mustache. And they have a unconvincing fist fight, Gina. Yes. And then he starts swinging a sword around, which sparks against a couple different surfaces. And I was like, I, I guess it would spark it against 
you know, a piece of metal. Oh, I, I guess it might spark against a fireplace. And then he swings it at a leather chair and it sparked. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is this sword? <laughs> like, is it adamantium? What the fuck is this metal made of? Um, <laughs> but uh, that he, that sword is taken out of his hands and he makes a run for it. Uh, and he gets in his very cool Corvette and takes off. And Michael, of course, is hot on his trail with Kit. And they go to the Sepulveda drive-in. Do you remember where we previously met the, the Sepulveda drive-in, Gina? Was that, um, oh, Jesus, a killer party? It was not killer party. Oh, uh, or was that, or, uh, uh, um, uh, New Year's Evil. New Year's Evil, Gina. You nailed it in two. Uh, 50%, I think, is a very uh, high bar to clear. Uh, not that we've talked about a bunch of drive-ins, but we have talked about a shit ton of movies. So it, it is hard to remember them all. But the Sepulveda drive-in is no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, but somehow when this other guy drives in uh, to the drive-in, um, these two cars block the, the exit. And so Michael's like, we got to get in there somehow. And he hits the launch button and Kit goes through the drive-in screen, which. <laughs> everybody, everybody's uh, fine with this. Everybody's like, wow, everyone is cool. Fine oh, <laughs> finally, entertainment value is what they. I, I got, I got, I got to say that, 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 that joke was much better in Bachelor Party. It is much better in Bachelor Party, which has that happened already? Is that 85 or is that 84? That was 84. Oh, that was 84. So it was around so, the same time, at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone wanted to do a car jumps through a drive in movie theater and someone who's trying to grope for a boob uh, is wowed by the experience. Um, they do seem to be awfully close. Uh, again, this this episode is ripping off so many things. Why not rip off one more? Um, and so... Michael catches up to this bohunk and punches him out with one punch. And everyone's like, yay. And episode over. And it's like that nobody, that nobody knows, nobody knows the circumstances. They just assume that, that, that Michael Knight is in the right here. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he drove through a, a drive-in theater. He has to have authority. That's the only thing you can surmise <laughs> from seeing that visual information dress like Rhett from fucking Gone with the Wind. Of course, he's a cop or an authority figure or an FBI agent. He has a talking car, at least. So, the uh, you know, the uh, the sixth act here, the resolve is that both Michael and Wilton show up to Bonnie's apartment, where she's still living. And I just think time to go elsewhere. I think at this point, Wilton should say, maybe let's buy your own condo. No, uh, they're like, are you sure you want to stay here? He's like, yes. And I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, and, and she, then she goes to Michael. I invited somebody for you. Uh, and the witch lady from earlier on arrives and the kit is like, oh no, I don't trust that woman. Uh, she put a curse on us. This is bad. Uh, don't eat whatever's in her crock pot. And as she walks away, the camera focuses on her butt. And if you're thinking, (laughs) 
well, that's crass. But I'm like, you don't know what the joke is here. The joke isn't that this woman uh, possesses a juicy hinder. It's that her juicy hinder kills flowers somehow. When she walks by <laughs> flowers, her juicy butt <laughs> kills them. And I'm not sure why her butt possesses the power of life and death for for Flora. I I, 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 I guess she's supposed to be a real witch after all. But why is her witch power in her butt? I guess is my question for you, Gina. <laughs> I mean, I could make a really juvenile joke as to what it was that killed the flowers, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you have the ability and you want to, you know, grab that element of the show and just make fart sounds as the plants die, <laughs> she walks away. I'm not going to stop you, but I don't have that kind I mean, of Yes, I'm, I'm glad you saw what I was going for there, but I mean, that yeah. that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty crass joke even for, you know, primetime television standards. Right. Maybe I can do it on TikTok where I just make the fart noises with my mouth and film it <laughs> off my computer. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know how TikTok works. Will that work? Who's to say? Uh, that just about does it. Um, would you recommend people watch this episode of uh, Knight Rider? You know, sure. It's, you know, if you've never watched Knight Rider, like the setup is not going to make any sense to you. Like it, like, it, it took me a while to kind of grasp who everybody was other than Michael Knight and Kit. Like I said, I, I had no idea there were all these other people involved in this. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the actual motives for everybody is, you know, are a little unclear. Almost everyone except mm -hmm. the one guy is a red herring. So, yeah. but it, it's so packed tight with references and ripoffs and 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 it actually is it's so silly that it's actually pretty entertaining plus you get plus I you get agree. a cool little goblin guy you get a goblin guy yeah you do get a ghoulie you get you get a ghoulie radcliffe um yes my beautiful boy <laughs> we do need a t-shirt that's ghoulie radcliffe um, that we can sell. We haven't had a new t-shirt in a while. I don't know how to make that happen. Someone make that happen. Someone draw Ghoulie Radcliffe and we'll we'll sell it on the site. Um, that just about does it. Uh, Gina. Oh, uh, listen. Uh, Josh Hollis does all of our artwork. Revenge Body does all of our, our, our themes. Uh, go to revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com uh, to get this remix and all our other remixes. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about television and movies at the spool.net. By the time this goes up, I will have done uh, a retrospective on possession, which is uh, normally hard to find on streaming, but is, is on Shudder this month. Yeah. And I will be reviewing Skinamarink. Oh, my. Wow. In this house. Okay this house uh yeah if we're calling skinamarink a movie sure um I call uh, you know what? i'm gonna a, say I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that i was not feeling it and then i actually got a trailer for it uh at, a, at the theater and that made a big difference so i was like okay all yes. right i don't yes. know what the hell's happening uh, I, here but i'm invested yeah 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 
I think a theater experience where you're trapped in your seat with, you know, dark walls and one bright one is probably the way to do it because uh, watching it at home uh, was not an experience that I would say made it come alive. Let's put it that way. I think it's better served by being in a theater where you can't get up and move or not look at your phone. Uh, Cause it's, it is, uh, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to read what you have to say about it because I think as an experiment, it is definitely worth the conversation, but I would put it into the experiment uh, category. Uh, that's not to say it's not an experiment worth going through. Um, but that just about does it, uh, Gina, for you and I on this episode of TV Terrors. Next week, we'll be back with a movie episode. And then, you know, who knows what will happen after that. Uh, for myself and for Gina, the body can't will continue. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.